Tonight, 200 million Americans face life-threatening record cold. We're seeing tens of thousands of flights getting canceled, millions without power, and truckers stranded as our economy faces a cataclysmic standstill during its busiest time of the year. All of this, the frostbite, the blizzards, the bitter winds are, to put it mildly, Mother Nature grabbing her crotch and telling America, I got your Merry Christmas right here. Now, while grateful that I now have a rock salad alibi for not spending the holidays with my exceedingly gruesome family, I can't help but see this winter storm as a sign, literally from up above, that we Americans have overextended our stay here on planet Earth. I don't need a ton of bricks to fall on my head to get the message it's time to leave planet Earth because the planet is evicting us and no other country will take us in. It's bad enough having America as a neighbor. The last thing Canada wants is us as a roommate. Yeah, sorry about your leftover muscles menier, Michelle. I thought that the fridge was community property. Tonight's storm is brought to you by America, specifically America's fossil fuel industry. Look, America, when you try to destroy the environment, eventually the environment bites back. And that's why tonight's storm is a nightmare of America's own creation. Americans are only 5% of the planet, yet we consume 30% of its energy. Even worse, we are responsible for one-third of all greenhouse gases. There is no question that when you get rid of America, you get rid of climate change. What we are witnessing tonight is nature's immune system hard at work. Think of Snowmageddon as planet Earth's white blood cells destroying a foreign antigen that's trying to kill it. And that foreign antigen is America. To put it another way, we are COVID and this bomb cyclone is the vaccine. Granted, I'm not an immunologist and I'm not even sure what bomb cyclone actually means, but it can't be good. Bomb cyclone sounds like that broken down amusement park ride at the Kentucky State Fair where 50 customers dangled upside down while the local fire department fumbled their 10 hour rescue attempt completely covered in cotton candy and corn dog vomit. The point is, we are being punished tonight. Americans are being punished tonight because our planet was left with only two choices, America or the planet. Even Sophie would know which choice to make. Come on, America, you didn't see this coming? How many storms of the century can one century possibly have? America's National Weather Service calls tonight a once-in-a-generation blizzard. But the rest of the planet is thinking 
Once in a generation? Once? Really? 2022 was filled with way too many heat waves, fires, hurricanes, floods, and tornadoes that weather forecasters kept insisting were once in a generation. Whose generation are we actually talking about? A fruit flies? Soon, America will be frozen solid, and life as we know it here in the lower 48 will cease to exist. The good news is that we will finally reduce our carbon emissions. We will have actually saved the planet by doing what Americans do best, sitting on our collective ass, doing absolutely nothing about climate change. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. All right. All right. All right. Let's do this. Last week, let me hit the subscribe button. That's their new subscribe button. Hi. Last week, we learned that during the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency, he was never audited. Even though it has been the Internal Revenue Service's official policy for decades to conduct a thorough audit of every president's tax returns each year. Each year that you're president, you're supposed to be audited. Trump wasn't audited. How is such a thing possible? How come the president's audit didn't begin until Democrats took control of the House in 2019? That's when Chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal, asked to see Donald Trump's tax returns, and the IRS thought, well, I guess we better audit him. They're watching us. Well, we now know the answer, and it's not what you think. Now, last week on the show, I made excuses for the Internal Revenue Service. I said they were outgunned by Trump's lawyers and accountants. And while that's partly true, it's not the real reason Trump wasn't audited while he was president. Last week on the show, I said Trump's tax returns were simply too complicated. He was running his money through hundreds of shell corporations, and the IRS simply didn't have the expertise or time to unravel those Byzantine returns. Now, while that's partly true, it's not the reason Trump wasn't audited when he was president. No, it's not the real reason his audits still have not been completed. His audits from his presidency, his tax returns when he was president, those audits have not been completed. So what is the reason Trump wasn't audited during the first two years of his presidency and the last two years of his presidency, those audits still have not been completed? What is the reason? Well, it's right in front of us. It's disturbing, disgusting, and it's why Trump should be forbidden from ever holding elective office again, which is well within the right of Congress to decide. You know, the January 6th committee last week recommended that Donald Trump be banned from ever holding elective office again, and he should be. Now, I'm going to tell you the reason Trump wasn't audited when he was president. It's very disturbing. But first, hi, I'm David Feldman, and this is The Mop-Up. 
You know, I don't know what upsets me more. Uh, the, the reason Trump wasn't audited or the fact that nobody is reporting what I'm about to tell you. And I'll tell you the whole story in, in just a moment. But first, I hope you had a wonderful holiday. Christmas morning, I woke up early, looked at my window, saw a brand new Lexus right in front of me. That's one of the many advantages to passing out drunk behind the wheel of your car in a Toyota dealership parking lot. Here are some family memories of a Feldman Christmas. Cousin Hirsch celebrates the birth of Jesus on the 27th of December because Christmas trees are always half price. For Christmas, Cousin Leslie's grandmother thought she'd make a photo album from all the revenge porn Leslie's old boyfriend Mitch posted on the internet. These are some of my family memories of Christmas. At exactly 12.01 a.m. December 26, Aunt Sheila of Sag City, North Dakota, woke her grandkids up and screamed, Okay, Christmas is over. Time to undress the tree, pack up all the tinsel for next year, and I want you all out of here in exactly 45 minutes. That would be at exactly 12.01 a.m. December 26. Let's talk about Trump's taxes. I shared some family photos. Now it's time to get to work and talk about Donald Trump's taxes. During the first two years of Trump's administration, the president was never audited. The IRS is supposed to audit him, but they didn't. You know who did get audited? Former FBI Director James Comey. And not just any audit. There is a very specific type of audit that the IRS conducts. And these intensive audits are called the National Research Program. This is true. It's called the National Research Program. This is such a thorough and invasive audit that the New York Times says tax attorneys refer to it as, quote, an autopsy without the benefit of death. The New York Times reported back in July of this year that of the nearly 135 million tax returns filed each year, only 5,000 are ever chosen for these audits of all audits. And James Comey was chosen in 2017. That was the very same year Donald Trump fired James Comey as head of the FBI because Comey wouldn't stop looking into the role Vladimir Putin played in getting Donald Trump elected. Trump fired Comey in May of 2017. Days later, Trump told Lester Holt of NBC News that he fired Comey because Comey wouldn't stop looking into Russiagate. And then weeks after Comey was fired, he was informed that he and his wife were getting the audit from hell, the audit of all audits, the capo de tutti capo of audits. Now, there is a one out of 30,600 chance that any one of us will get that big audit. That's according to the New York Times. And the IRS is very secretive. They refuse to say how you end up getting picked for, from the chorus line for that 
that audit. Now, coincidences do happen, right? James Comey is the president's mortal enemy. Trump fires him because he was FBI director and he wouldn't stop snooping around about Russiagate. Comey fires him. A couple months later, Comey gets audited. Hmm, big audit, the big audit. What are the odds? Well, they say one out of 30,600. So it is in the realm of possibilities. This ferocious audit of James Comey took more than a year to complete, and you'll be relieved to know that Comey and his wife filed false tax returns. Turns out they were right for auditing him. Comey overpaid his taxes and was entitled to a $347 refund. So, you know, good use of our government's time, right? The audit ended up costing James Comey $5,000 in accounting fees, and the Internal Revenue Service spent at least 50 hours working on his case. But they uncovered that $347 refund, so it was all worth it. Well, from May until August of 2017, right after James Comey was fired, Andrew McCabe served as acting FBI director. And one of the first moves as acting FBI director was to order an obstruction of justice investigation into why Trump fired Comey. Trump did not like his new FBI director, Andrew McCabe. So when it came time to pick a new FBI director a few weeks later, McCabe was passed over and he went back to being deputy director of the FBI. And then some other nightmare ensued that I don't want to get into it. But here's the point. Like James Comey, Andrew McCabe, who Trump detested, Andrew McCabe also got the same exact audit that Comey got the same exact year. What are the odds? What are the odds that the two men who Trump accused of treason, what are the odds that they would be audited by the IRS? Two former heads of the FBI that Trump fired because they were looking into Russiagate. They get fired and then they get the maximum audit from the IRS in the same year. What are the odds? It is impossible to calculate those odds. There isn't a, an adding machine or a computer big enough. Big Blue can't even calculate this. Now, The Hill reports that on December 1st of this year, okay, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration announced that after a careful inspection, they have concluded that it was merely a coincidence that two former FBI chiefs who Trump considered to be mortal enemies, it was just a coincidence that both of them ended up getting the most rigorous tax audit during the same exact year they were both fired by Donald Trump. Just a coincidence. Well, that's a relief. 
right? I mean, if the, the Treasury Inspector General says there was no foul play, I guess we should believe the, the Treasury Inspector General. However, there is the small problem of General John F. Kelly, who served as Donald Trump's second chief of staff. Last month, it was reported that General Kelly said in a written interview with the New York Times that Donald Trump specifically ordered General Kelly, his chief of staff at the time, to, quote, get the IRS on Comey and McCabe. General Kelly says that he thought he had explained to Donald Trump why it's against the law for a president to order the audit of a political opponent. And he thought that was the end of it. Now, theoretically, General Kelly, chief of staff, should have gone immediately to the FBI to report the crime, the crime of a sitting U.S. president ordering an audit of his political opponents. That's against the law. You would think General Kelly, who swore an oath, would choose to protect the Constitution over Donald Trump. But instead, he chose to protect Trump. And I'm not quite sure if General Kelly committed a crime by not reporting Trump's crime to the FBI, the crime of a sitting president ordering an IRS audit of his enemies. I'm not sure if that's a dereliction of duty or an actual federal crime, not going to the FBI and turning your president in. I'm not sure. But it does speak volumes to General Kelly's complete and utter lack of character. It speaks volumes to everyone in that Trump White House who put Trump Trump before duty, which brings me back, speaking of duty, which brings me back to where we started. James Comey and Andrew McCabe headed the FBI in 2017. Trump's first year in office, and he fired them. He accused them both of committing treason because they wouldn't stop investigating Trump's relationship with Vladimir Putin. The very same year, both men, Comey and McCabe, are chosen for the audits of all audits. And yet, Donald Trump, who was so busy telling his chief of staff, General Kelly, to get the IRS to audit those two, right, Comey and McCabe, he also wanted audits, according to Kelly, of Hillary Clinton and former CIA director John O'Brennan. He wanted audits of Jeff Bezos, who, besides Amazon, also owns the Washington Post, which is highly critical at times of Donald Trump. He wanted Lisa Page and Peter Stroke audited. Those were the two FBI agents who were deep into the Russiagate investigation. He wanted all those people audited. All these people Trump ordered to be audited. Kelly didn't follow the orders, but Trump ordered these people to be audited, and yet the mandatory audit that is supposed to take place for every sitting president was never conducted by our Internal Revenue Service. What now are the odds? What are the odds that both 
Comey and McCabe, who used to head the FBI, would both get audited, but Donald Trump wouldn't. Incalculable. So you might ask who oversaw the Internal Revenue Service at the time. John Kuskinen was the outgoing commissioner that year. He was an Obama appointment. And it's kind of like the Federal Reserve. They stre- they sta- they're five-year terms. The Fed is six, but the IRS commissioner is five years. And they stagger it. They try to stagger it in between uh, presidents. So it's uh, they can't be influenced, supposedly. Okay, so uh, John Kuskinen was the IRS commissioner in 2017. He was about to be replaced in 2017 by Charles Reddick, who was named IRS commissioner in 2018. So remember, 2018 is the year Comey and McCabe were being audited and Trump was supposed to be audited and he wasn't. Now, Reddick in all fairness, wasn't in charge of the IRS when the audits for FBI directors Comey and McCabe started because those audits started back in 2017. But Reddick was in charge in 2018 when when those audits were being wrapped up and Trump's audits still had not begun. Jordan Leibowitz writes over at Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. It's called Crew. Uh, people should go to that website, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, Crew. In September of 2020, two years ago, Leibowitz wrote about Charles Rettig, the commissioner of the IRS at the time. Trump was still president, right? 2020, September. Now, Leibowitz wrote this two years ago without the benefit of knowing that Trump had not been audited his first two years in office. We just found this out last week. He didn't know. Leibowitz didn't know two years ago that FBI heads Kobe, Comey and McCabe were being audited. We just learned that earlier this year. But this is the article from two years ago. Okay, it's an article entitled Trump's IRS chief has made hundreds of thousands from Trump properties while in office. Huh? This is based on reporting also done by Caroline Zhang, who's also uh, a writer over at Crew. She revealed back in 2019 that when Reddig was picked to become IRS commissioner, He initially neglected to disclose that he owned real estate at a Trump-branded property in Hawaii, where Reddick earned anywhere between $100,000 to $200,000 a year on rent and royalties. He was a business business partner of Trump's. That's why Trump named him to head the IRS. Now, Reddick is no longer IRS commissioner. He left the job last month. He left last month. But it was his job to release Trump's tax returns when the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal, demanded them back in 2019. But Reddick 
He didn't release them because Reddick is a Trump loyalist. Now, by law, as you all know, the IRS must turn over any tax return of any citizen, including the president of the United States, if it's requested by the House Ways and Means Committee. If the House Ways and Means Committee or any tax committee in, in the House or Senate wants to see somebody's tax returns, by law, they get to see those tax returns. Doesn't matter whose. In fact, according to the Revenue Act of 1924, if the head of the IRS refuses to turn over the president's tax returns, the sergeant of arms can march into the building and arrest him. In 1927, in McGrain v. Doherty, our Supreme Court ruled that Congress has the power to compel witnesses to appear and provide testimony. And if they don't appear, the sergeant of arms can arrest them. The Washington Post report in 2019, back when the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal, Democrat, first asked for Trump's tax returns and Reddick, Trump's loyalist who was running the commission, said, um, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. Uh, the Washington Post reported that the chairman of the uh, House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal, had the power to order the arrest of Reddick and Steve Mnuchin, who was then secretary of the Treasury. If they weren't going to turn over the tax returns, it was well within uh, the legal right of Richie Neal, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, to send the sergeant of arms over to the IRS and the Treasury Department and arrest Steve Mnuchin and Reddick. But Richie Neal didn't do it. Didn't do it. It took three years to get Trump's tax returns because why? Because he installed loyalists like Steve Mnuchin and Treasury and Charles Rettig over at the IRS. Rettig was never going to turn over Trump's tax returns unless the courts made him. And he was never going to audit Donald Trump until Richie Neal, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, began snooping around and Charles Rettig said, okay, we better start an audit of Donald Trump, which they still haven't completed. When Donald Trump appointed Reddick, Charles Reddick, to be commissioner of the IRS, he did so to protect himself and ruin his enemies, as well as destroy the IRS. Under Reddick's command, thousands upon thousands of IRS agents were fired making it impossible for our government to collect taxes. Trump wasn't just appointing a loyalist to run his, what he thought was his, Internal Revenue Service. This was an attempt to confiscate every lever of power inside of the executive branch and make it work for him. Grab hold of the IRS by appointing a loyalist who will protect your tax returns, refuse to audit you, and when you have to be audited, he'll slow it down, and most importantly, uh, turn a blind eye. Turn a blind eye. If someone from the White House 
walks into the Internal Revenue Service and demands an audit of the president's enemies. Now, again, Charles Reddick had nothing to do with those audits of FBI directors James Comey and Andrew McCabe. He probably didn't even know those audits were going on when he took over in 2018. But he did know that the IRS is supposed to be auditing a sitting president every year. He is, Charles Reddick, is considered one of America's top tax attorneys. Charles Reddick was a Trump loyalist who was appointed commissioner of the IRS specifically because he was on record. He wrote a piece for Forbes magazine, I think in 2016, where he said Donald Trump doesn't have to turn over his tax returns. Reddick is a tax attorney from Beverly Hills who went on record saying he didn't think a sitting president should obey the law and turn over his tax returns. He became president in 2017. He was asked, are you going to reveal your taxes when you're president? And Charles Reddick, tax attorney in 2016, wrote a piece in Forbes saying presidents don't have to obey that law. It took three years, three years for the case of Trump's tax returns to go before the Supreme Court. And last month, the Supreme Court finally said what everyone knew already, that Trump had to turn over his tax returns to Richie Neal, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. Charles Reddick, the outgoing IRS commissioner, he left uh, last month, he knew exactly what he was doing. He's a Beverly Hills tax attorney. He knew exactly how to play this game. Delay, delay, delay. Why delay? To protect his business partner, Donald Trump. Right, Charles Reddick makes at least $200,000 a year from a Trump property. We still haven't seen uh, the results of uh, Donald Trump's two presidential audits because they're not done. Because for the powerful, there is no accountability. Laws only apply to you and me. Men are doing time tonight for unpaid bench warrants on a busted taillight. But Donald Trump walks free. Donald Trump learned early on from mafia lawyer Roy Cohn that laws don't apply to the powerful. There are so many crimes Trump has committed, so many, and yet he walks free. And because of this, partly because of Trump, Americans have lost faith in our criminal justice system. And when that happens, when Americans stop believing there's justice, they stop believing in America. Do you remember Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, Republican, multimillionaire, ran for governor of Michigan, became governor? He was the one who decided to run Michigan like a business as governor to save money. Uh, the people of Flint, Michigan, he decided, would be getting their water uh, from Flint River, 
and no longer from Lake Huron, which was clean. So the people of Flint started getting their drinking water from Flint River, but the Flint River water was so polluted, it corroded the pipes and lead in the pipes began seeping into the drinking water. It got so bad, the local car manufacturers in Flint said they needed to switch back to water from Lake Huron because the water from Flint River was destroying the insides of the engines they were manufacturing. So the car company got the old water back, but not the residents of Flint, Michigan, who happened to be predominantly African-American. They were forced to drink tap water from Flint River and tens of thousands of mostly African-American children have been exposed to permanent lead poisoning. Permanent. Now, two major studies, one from a university and one from a major news gathering organization, prove that Governor Snyder mishandled the Flint water crisis and was criminally negligent. And anybody who's been following the story, well, we all expected Rick Snyder to go to prison, but he's not. Two weeks ago, a judge threw out the case against Rick Snyder, and they dismissed all criminal charges. And eight, eight cronies of Governor Snyder, they, they were involved in the Flint water disaster. They, too, they, too, have had their cases thrown out. Meanwhile, Rick Snyder was worth millions before he was governor of Michigan. He's no longer governor of Michigan, but he's worth millions and millions and millions more. Now, I know a lot of you think locking up Donald Trump is a waste of time. You think it won't solve income inequality. You think locking up Donald Trump won't stop our endless wars, fix homelessness, or provide free health care for all Americans. I disagree. There can be no progressive movement without laws. Those laws must be obeyed. You have to pass these laws and then make sure they're enforced. For example, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Water Act is a law. And Rick Snyder should be locked up for life for violating that law. There is no progress without laws, and those laws must be enforced. Otherwise, there is no progress. Medicare, beautiful Medicare, is a law. You don't have Medicare without it first being passed as a law. People like Florida Senator Republican Rick Scott, who ripped off Medicare before becoming a politician, he ripped off Medicare to the tune of roughly $1 billion, probably double that. Uh, Florida Senator Rick Scott should be in prison, not making settlements as he did with our Justice Department. He ran a health care company. They ripped off our government for more than a billion dollars, and he made a financial settlement instead of going to prison where right now we have men doing time for failing to obey a bench warrant on a busted taillight.
he should be in prison. He just didn't break the law. Senator Rick Scott just didn't break the law. He violated one of the most sacred laws we have, Medicare. Medicare provides medicine and doctors and hospitalization to our grandparents. Rick Scott should be in prison. He stole a billion dollars at least from Medicare. Instead, he settles with the Justice Department for close to one billion and runs for senator of Florida. Nothing can get done in America without first passing a law, and then that law must be obeyed. If you want free tuition at all public universities, that's a law that has to be passed and then obeyed. If you want single-payer health care, that's a law that must be passed and then obeyed. There is no democracy. There is no freedom. There is no progressive movement in this country without laws and then making sure those laws are obeyed. We have a crime problem in America, a serious crime problem in America, not on the streets, in our government, in our corporation, in our corporations. And it is time to put those proverbial heads on sticks and say, here is what happens. Here is what happens when you break our laws. You are doing time. Trust me, you lock up Trump and his cronies, it gets contagious. This is what happened after Watergate. You start locking up these people, it gets contagious. And that's when real progressive reform starts to kick in. Because the American people, you lock up Trump, they will taste blood and demand more of Trump's ilk go to prison. And when enough, when enough of these mental defects like Donald Trump are locked up, then it will be safe for progressives. Donald Trump's crowd loves to chant, lock them up. They're absolutely right. If you enjoyed this segment of The David Feldman Show, please subscribe to this channel. Hit the like button. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. This is The Mop Up, and we're about to be joined by Howie Klein, who is going to be talking about Maxwell Frost, as well as George Santos. We have some new information about George, Congressman George Santos. Who is the bigger fraud, Maxwell Frost or George Santos? And if we have time, we'll get to Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene having a split. And then Governor Kathy Hochul of New York is also a fraud. Joining us from Los Angeles is Howie Klein. He is the founder and the treasurer of the Blue America Pack. He also writes Down With Tyranny. Everybody should read him over at Down With Tyranny. Welcome, Howie Klein. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, great. Nice to be uh, with you. And if people are wondering, what does some guy in Los Angeles know about uh, 
New York to talk about George uh, Santos and Kathy Hochul. I was born and raised in New York. I, I grew up in Nassau County, uh, which is more than uh, George Santos did, he, who is probably not even an American citizen. He claimed he was born in Queens, but people who know him say that he's told them that he was born in um, Brazil. Let's start at the beginning. George San- Santos is a newly elected Republican governor from New York State. Congressman. I, I'm sorry, Congressman and he claims to have been Jewish. So he claims a lot of things. What, what, is he, every, what, is he claimed? what has he claimed? He claims so many things. The one that, that really made me hysterical today, I was laughing so much. So he made up this whole story about being Jewish. He wasn't Jewish. He, I mean, it really was an intense story about his ancestors, not his ancestors, his grandparents coming over to flee the Nazis. It was like a long, convoluted story about his Jewishness. And in, in Brazil, there are a lot of Jews who have fled from oppression, starting, by the way, in, in the late 1400s, where they were fleeing from the Inquisition. Right. And, but his, his so-called Jewish family came from, um, uh, fleeing, uh, fled from the Nazis. Well, that was interesting to me. But it turns out now he, he, he talked to the, you know, he's been exposed by the New York Times and he, he refused to speak with them. But he went to the New York Post and he told them, I never said I was Jewish. I said I was Jew-ish. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, someone who's fat might say, I'm not fat, I'm fat-ish. And he claimed Jewish, just said he was Jew-ish. Now, I know this. This is what he really said to them. And the New York Post printed it with a straight face. I'm sure they were hysterical laughing, but they printed it today. It's, a, it's an exclusive interview they have with uh, with him. So he claims to be. But there's so much more that he lied about. He lied about going to college. He, he never did. He, didn't go he to lied Baruch. about working blue chip. Uh, no, two colleges, Baruch. He said he, he graduated from Baruch, but he went to NYU. Both NYU and Baruch said they never heard of him. He never went to either school. Uh, he claimed he, he worked for um, two blue chip Wall Street firms, Citigroup, and uh, what was the other one? Was it Morgan Stanley or, one of, or Goldman Sachs? Goldman Sachs, not Morgan Stanley. He said he worked for, and then and he never, they also said they never heard of him. He never worked for them. Now he says, well, he, he he was running this other firm and he sometimes advised people to, to go to uh, Goldman Sachs or, uh, or Citigroup. I mean, something insane like that. The fact of the matter is, is that the SEC says his firm was a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> I mean, this guy is such a mess. There's nothing he told the truth about. He also said he was, he had, hadn't been in the closet uh, at a time when he was married to a woman and he was in the closet. Supposedly he is, uh, he is gay and he says he's happily married to a man now. Uh, but, you know, is there any way to trust anything this guy says? Yes. He's a Republican. That yes, I believe. You can, yes. He's definitely a, a Republican. Uh, okay. So. And a MAGA Republican, by the way, uh, he claims. I mean, I, I don't know if I believe he is, but he claims he's a MAGA Republican. What happens to him? He rises up. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing is going to happen to him unless they can find that there's a birth certificate in Brazil. And then maybe there's something that can happen to him. He's being he's being investigated by the, the attorney general of New York now. I think if he claimed he was a citizen, 
which he has claimed, and it turns out he wasn't a citizen, then we're looking at a, some kind of possibility where they can take some kind of action to uh, have a, another election. I'm not certain about that. But the fact that he lied about all these things, they can't do anything about it. The Republicans could, they could force him out, but they won't because the, you know their margin uh, to control the House is too small and they, they couldn't afford to lose him. Whose seat did he take? Tom Swazi. So, I mean, it's not exactly the same district, but it's, it's about 80% the same district. So it's New York 3, which is um, it's kind of thought of as the North Shore district. So a little bit of Queens and, and mostly uh, Nassau County, the North Shore. But it was going east into Suffolk, and they got rid of that, and they made it go south more into Nassau. So it, it doesn't Swazi, quite go to the north. Swazi ran for governor. Is he a Democrat? Swazi is. He's a uh, conservative Democrat, a, a new Dem. He happens to be a friend of mine as well. Uh, so I know I, I know him better than I know a lot of these guys. And he's he's a, a for a new Dem. He's a pretty good guy. Okay, he means well. All right. So we want to talk. You've been writing extensively about Sam Bankman Freed. You say there may be a hundred million dollars that he and his family have donated to Washington, D.C. politicians, including my favorite. He's to the left of me right now. Maxwell Frost. He's the voice of a new generation. Maxwell Frost from Orlando. He was just elected to to Congress. He's young. He's dynamic. He's a Democrat. He's going to speak for our kids. What's wrong with well, he started, the first? The first thing he did was lie, saying he was the first Gen Z elected to Congress. If, if you think of who the worst members of Congress were in the 117th Congress, certainly uh, the first Gen Z congressman comes right to mind, Madison Cawthorn. Right. So I don't know. But, you know, it doesn't sound that good to say I was the second Gen Z congressman. So he lied and said he was the first Gen Z congressman. But that was only one of many, many lies. He's kind of like the George Santos of the Democratic Party. He's just a big old liar uh, about one thing after the other, including you know, some serious stuff. Like, for example, he claimed he didn't know anything about the million dollars that Sam Bankman-Fried and his brother Gabe Bankman-Fried spend on his campaign, and that isn't true. Uh, he auditioned for that money, and the way he auditioned was by starting immediately an Uber driver who was running for Congress, but he, he, he started a cyber currency advisory committee with a bunch of Sam Bankman-Fried um, cronies on it. And that's how he auditioned for the million dollars that they spent, which is why he was elected to Congress, because of that million dollars. Okay. I spoke with someone today who worked with him when he was at that, uh, he, he worked for some anti-gun organization. And I spoke with someone who worked with him there who told me that, you know, he doesn't believe in anything except Self, that he would sell out everything and anything at any time. And you run into congressmen like that uh, now and then. It's, it's a horror when you do, uh, but he's one of them. You know, Tulsi Gabbard is another one. Uh, Kirsten Sinema is another one. You, you do run into these kind of characters, and certainly uh, Frost is one. Frost called me twice, and we had very long phone calls uh, when he was first running. And I listened to him, you know, let him talk. I, I you know, asked him one or two questions 
got him going. And I listened to him and my jaw just dropped. Was, I, I felt like I was listening. You know, I speak with a lot of members of Congress and a lot of candidates. I don't remember ever speaking to someone who was so more transparently lying than, than, uh, than this guy Frost. Uh, just horrible absolutely horrible and he won you know i don't know with i can't remember exactly i think he had 35 percent of the vote in a very crowded primary and in a very democratic district so once you win the primary it doesn't matter because uh, you're then the candidate right. which is a shame awful absolutely awful i have a very very long piece about him on my blog i think i i don't know if i put it up this morning or yesterday yes, it's, but it's up yesterday. Towards, uh, yeah. yes. read it and it was uh you know it's a lot of it is based on the really great research done by Ryan Grimm. Um, but he, it was in, he did that research in September and he published his piece in October and I tried to bring it a little bit up to date because since then a lot has happened, uh, you know, to show a lot of the things that Ryan was predicting came true, like how, how crooked uh, Frost is. Right. Okay. So and, Maxwell, Fr- Maxwell Frost can't believe in him. Let's turn to your piece over Down with Tyranny about Sam Bankman Freed and how deep his tentacles reached. You're saying it's close to 100 million. Start with, uh, you know, some pipsqueak congressman from Orlando. Let's start with uh, Joe Biden. Five million dollars. Five million dollars to Joe. He He was the second individual uh, uh, donor to Biden's campaign. I haven't heard that Biden's giving that money back. Have you? No. I follow that very closely. Who's, who's returning the money and who's not returning the money. That isn't money being returned. You write Schumer returned $3 million. Yeah. Schumer, uh, Schumer's PAC uh, returned a great deal of money. Pelosi's PAC, which got $6 million, said that they was waiting for the feds to tell them where to put the money and they'll get rid of it. Um, the Republicans are making sounds like they're giving the money back, but they haven't. So he gave, I think, $2,750,000 to McCarthy's PAC and $2.5 million to McConnell's PAC. And they both both kind of said that they, they're taking a wait-and-see approach, but that they'll return it, but I don't believe them. We'll see. Uh, believe me, I'll, I'll follow that very closely. And what was he? Uh, you know, ahead. basically what's being returned are the $2,900 contributions to individuals. Everyone is sending that back because who cares? But what about the million that he gave here and the million he gave there? Those, those to candidate, you know, like, like Frost. He spent a million dollars on, almost a million dollars on Frost's campaign. And Frost said, I don't know anything about it. What do I know about that? I'm not giving that back. What did he get in return for $100 million? Uh, good question. That is the question that the media is refusing to ask. Now, let's go to a group uh, that calls themselves, or yeah, calls themselves the um, the Blockchain Eight. Four Democrats, four Republicans. He gave them lots of money, and what did they do? They wrote a letter to the SEC saying, uh, "We don't want you." Uh, interfering with this wonderful industry and leave them alone. And they really, you know, put like, uh, put the squeeze on Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC in a very big way. So there's a, there's a perfect example. 
I'm hoping these eight members go to jail. They took a bribe and they did something for the bribe right away. But in, but in a more general sense, he gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to the members of the House Financial Services Committee. And, uh, and they did what he wanted, which is to make sure that he w didn't get regulated, the FTX, his company didn't get regulated, and, and more. I mean, Bankman Fried's mother, who's gone off just like him, had, had her own um, uh, anti-progressive pack called Mind the Gap Pack, and in fact, he gave her a million dollars. Uh, although the money that the, that million dollars and other money that the pack raised just went for salaries and expenses for the for the people who ran it, uh, they what they were able to do was to get their members to donate in a in a in a um, you know in a, in a concerted way towards the candidates that they would point to. Um, so one of them is a member of the House Financial Services Committee named Sean Kasten from uh, Chicagoland. And he's, he's a lifelong crook. He's from New York. He and his father were crooks in New York. They were driven out of New York, went to Chicago, uh, where they're crooks there. And he's a member of Congress, a member of the uh, House Financial Services Committee. Uh, she, uh, Bankman Fried's mother, uh, uh, directed $500,000 towards him. And, and what does he do? He hires Bankman Freed's brother, Gabe Bankman Freed, to, uh, to be on his staff in Congress in, in a very minor job, just opening letters, basically. That, that was his job. Open the letters, answer them if there's nothing important that anyone else has to deal with. But suddenly, every time there's a, a House Financial Services Committee meeting that has to do with uh, cryptocurrency in any way, suddenly he's there. Now, these are, these are very high-level meetings. Maybe maybe a chief of staff will go rarely and maybe but like a letter opener never 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 so so you say what did and he spoke uh, you say what did bankman fried get for the the hundred million dollars that's the kind of thing he got he also just got out of jail free which is another thing How i mean the papers reported possible explain billion this. dollar uh then there was no quarter billion dollar bond. The judge, uh, who right after she did this, by the way, she second. accused I, Howie, Howie, I stepped over you. He's out on a $250 million bond, even though he claims he's broke. Not. He, he's, he's not, not out on a two hundred. No, he's not. That was, it was a lie. And it was like the media not paying good attention. Right. And when that was, got reported, so what did, what they, they wanted it. The story, what the story really is, is he's basically out in his own recognizance with his parents' $4 million home as the, um, as the collateral for a bond. The judge who gave him that sweet deal uh, recused herself right after she gave him the deal. So she gave him the deal, and then she said, well, I shouldn't really be on this case because my, my, husband, my husband's firm worked for FTX, Bankman's yeah. company. And then she, but she didn't recuse herself before she let him out of jail, free. She recused herself after. Uh, so he, you know, he can just take off. He, he, you know, supposedly he's got eight billion dollars stashed with Kim Jong Un in Korea. I don't know. I don't know what that really means, but uh, he was definitely uh, laundering 
uh, laundering nest money for North Korea. So he has business over there, uh, and that's illegal. Uh, and there's, you know, no one even knows how much money is really missing. You, it, it goes from the minimum of $8 billion to the highest figure I've heard was $32 billion. So, but who knows? Who knows how, many, how much money is missing? We'll know eventually, but we don't know now. It changes all the time. It's the same way that the amount of money that he's given to members of Congress changes all the time. I mean, you know, suddenly you find out, oh, that pack over there, he gave them money, and then they gave, then they gave it to this congressman or that congressman. And it's not just him, by the way. He's, his cronies at FTX, you know, very, very, uh, also gave huge amounts of money. One of them being um, a guy named uh, Ryan Salami. Right. And Ryan Salami was the guy who, who was bribing the Republicans. It was the same pot of money. I have, it was, uh, bank right I have a picture of Salami and his girlfriend who ran, you write, she ran for Congress in New York with, uh, and she, this picture is with Don Jr. and Kimberly Gargoyle. So who was Salami? Salami was a one of the uh, principals at uh, FTX. He, his job was to bribe the Republicans, which he did with millions and millions of dollars. I mean, supposedly twenty-four million, but uh, even Bankman Fried says that uh, it was much more than that. So you know, like I said, the, where it's very, very hard to trace this money. Sometimes I spend hours tracing money, and I'm finding, you know someone gives money to some innocuous sounding group, whether it's about pandemics or it's about women's rights or various organizations, and that's the way they, they uh, launder money into these campaigns. Santos, for example, wanted to help his uh, girlfriend, I don't know if they're married now, but I, they, I, she, I think she was his fiance at the time, to run for um, Lee Zeldin's seat out in Suffolk County, east of Santos, by the way. He, and now she lost but, but but after spending more money than anybody else, not his money. Salami. The way he, the way excuse he, excuse money. Excuse me. Very excuse me. Salami was. You said Santos. Salami's girlfriend was running for Salami's Santa. girlfriend. Right. Santos's boyfriend. Right. Right. So Salami was running his girlfriend for Lee Zeldin's seat, and he was running for governor against Hochul. Right. Right, and he did. He and he did fairly well. And a lot of people are wondering, as a matter of fact, how can a Republican, a MAGA Republican like Lee Zeldin, who's just worthless and has a record of worthlessness in Congress, how can he do so well in blue, blue New York? And at that point, why don't we cue that tape that you I made? I will in one second. I, I just want to ask you one. Uh, it's a great question. Lee Zeldin almost beat Kathy Hochul who is the new governor of New York. She filled in for Andrew Cuomo after the sexual assaults, and he had to step down, and she is was reelected. She gets sworn in, I think, in like a week. But before we get she to that... barely reelected. I'm sorry? Barely reelected. Barely reelected. I mean, there's a... She was. She had never been elected at, at all. She was picked by uh, that crooked governor uh, to be uh, to be his lieutenant governor. So it's, you know they they run on the same ticket, and they uh, and then and then when, when he was driven out of office, she became governor. It's not like people picked her to be governor. 
so she but she just she just was elected she had been she had had lots of uh, offices before that various offices in new york and she in fact she was even a congresswoman at one time so um i have one quick question about sam bankman freed and salami and the 100 million dollars of crypto money from what i read over down with tyranny Cryptocurrency is what, as you just said, drug dealers and mobsters use to avoid the law. So was and terrorists. And terrorists. And terrorists. So when Sam Bankman Freed is giving a hundred million dollars, is that one hundred million dollars of his, or is that laundered money that's being delivered to the Democrats and the Republicans through cryptocurrency? Not necessarily his, but impossible to trace. That's- Right. That's exactly right. That's what you say it is or think it is? Well, I, I, it's what I say it is, and I say it is because I think it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm following uh, pretty good sources who, who are, have been involved with it, and that's what they're saying. And that's why, you know, I mean, I'm not making it up, but that's what you're asking me. So just so we're clear, just so I understand this, I'm just repeating what you said because it's fascinating. He was, You're saying Bankman Freed was a conduit of nefarious money under the guise of I'm a cryptocurrency billionaire and this is my money. You're 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 suggesting that it wasn't his money. It was money. But where did he get? But he didn't. I mean, you know, that's how he got the money. And it's dirty. I mean, he got, money, got the money from laundering money for drug dealers and terrorists and Iran and South Korea. And, you know, I mean, that's that's where the money comes from. But do we know if that money had a message attached to it? Did did somebody like Schumer, he takes three million dollars? Does he think he's taking it for cryptocurrency kingpins or does he know that this is dirty money and there's a message attached to it? My my guess is that Schumer does, didn't know. My guess is they don't want to look too closely at where money like this comes from. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think any I don't think any politician would take this this kind of money if they knew it was coming from drug dealers and um, and 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 uh, terrorists. I don't think that would happen. Then why give I don't it think to the, Then why give it to politicians? If, if if you're a drug dealer or if you're a foreign uh, leader I'm coming from no 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 it was coming from Sam Bankman-Fried uh, and the drug dealers didn't have any idea I, I think the drug dealers and the terrorists and all them are going to try to kill him now right. <laughs> that's what I think he stole their money right how many cryptocurrency kings are dead now three well three that we know of three crypto billionaires who had some business with uh, Bankman Freed have been murdered or have been found dead. These are young, healthy guys who were found dead uh, in the, in the last uh, you know month and a half. Okay, so I'm gonna let's go back to Kathy Hochul. She is the the governor of New York, and uh, she, as you write over down with tyranny, she barely beat Lee Zeldin. Uh, in New York, that was unusual, right? It's you. You expect in New York is a very Republicans don't win uh, statewide offices there anymore. Right. So we're going to play uh, an expose, an ad that's running on down with tyranny. Who made this? This was made by a great guy. 
um, I can't remember his first name. His, his last name is Wu, W-U. He ran against her at one time for um, in a primary, and he made this ad as part of that run. It's kind of shocking because she's a Democrat, and you think, well, you know, if you're, not, if, you, if you're not paying too much attention to her, and then we'll talk about her Supreme Court pick after this, which is... All right. Okay. I've heard from a lot of Republicans. Uh, they think I'm a different kind of Democrat, and I'll take that as a compliment. I don't think that many people know that I've always had the conservative party endorsement every time I've run for office. I did not support Obamacare 100 percent. Of course, I voted many times to repeal it. So uh, you just need to look at my record. I led the fight against giving illegal immigrants driver's licenses. I voted with Speaker Boehner against the president's policy on Libya. I'm one of 20 Democrats in the entire country who supported the energy bill. I support the Keystone Pipeline, unlike the president and his administration. I'm one of the few Democrats to receive the NRA endorsement. I've become um, very conservative in my voting record. I've talked to hundreds of people, many, many conservatives and Republicans, and they are with me on the issues. All right. Uh, so, so what do you think anything would have happened in New York if, if they had heard this, if New York voters had heard this before the election? Uh, I wouldn't have voted for her. Exactly. So I mean, that's her speaking record. That's her voice talking about her own record in various jobs that she had, including as a member of Congress, where she was one of the most conservative Democrats in Congress. So you write about Mondaire Jones, Congressman Mondaire Jones. He has a tweet up that uh, attacks our Democratic governor for appointing uh, Hector LaSalle to the Supreme Court. Who is Hector LaSalle? He's a he's a, a justice of, on the um, I think it's the appeals court right now, and she just appointed him to not just be a justice of the Supreme Court, but to be the head justice of the Supreme Court. Which is, is not only does he sit on the Supreme Court, but he runs the entire New York State judicial system, and he's he is very very conservative. He is he's anti-choice, he's anti-union, he is a perfect choice for a Republican. And here we have our Democratic governor who. Who basically just ran a campaign. Her main, her main, um, her main issue was that she was going to uh, protect women's choice, and she's she's trying to appoint someone to the Supreme Court, which has been increasingly conservative, by the way, because. Um, uh, the last governor uh, kept appointing conservative judges as well. And uh, and here's her, her first choice is, is a conservative Democrat. And, and all she says about it, but he's he's Hispanic. You have to support him. He's Hispanic. And the first three Democrats who came out against him in the state Senate are, are were Hispanic progressives. Right. So putting her argument lie immediately. That is, does LaSalle have to be approved by the... Yes approved by the state senate and if if every republican votes against him which is likely although not definite if ever, but if every republican votes against him he can only lose she can only or he can only lose 11 democrats and there are already 10 who have publicly said they're not voting for him and a lot of the others are hinting that they're they, they may not vote for him okay before you go thank you for this great job as always i want to show the uh, the the Matt Gates tweet 
All I want for Christmas is Jim Jordan to realize he should be Speaker of the House. And this is causing a split between Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I'm using some of your I'm using your artwork from Down with Charity of the flames behind them in, in hell. Marjorie Taylor and, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's being attacked by the whole extreme right that she was such a big part of. I mean, one, one of the, uh, Andy Biggs went after her in a big way and said there's no, there's no turning back with her. We're done with her. And uh, one, I, I hate to use language like this, but one of the big right-wing um, talk show hosts calls her a two-bit whore because at the same time well, that inflation, she's in trouble with all these two, She's up to two bits now. <laughs> At the same time that she's uh, uh, having this, pro- this political problem, she has also finalized her divorce. So now some of the, um, the details uh, are coming out about uh, all the affairs she was having with other men while she was married. So she did this for Trump, right? Trump asked her to support McCarthy, correct? I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, McCarthy, you, you know, th- this is rarely talked about. But the thing that killed McCarthy's last bid to be speaker was an affair that he had with a congresswoman named Renee Elmers. Uh, Elmers, sorry, Renee Elmers. So Renee Elmers was um, a, congress- a very conservative congresswoman from uh, uh, North Carolina. She and, and McCarthy had an affair. And that ruined his chance to be speaker, and that's when he, he withdrew, and that all came out. Well, there are people who, say, I don't know if it's true, but there are people who are saying the same thing right now, that McCarthy is having an affair with, um, uh, with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, like I said, I don't know that that's true. If I had a guess, I would, my guess would be it's not true, but it could be, because people were saying the same thing about Elmer, that it's impossible, but it turned out to be true. A great president once said, that's what they're saying. That's what I've heard. There's talk. People are saying. So is McCarthy. They got to pick. Everybody is. I'm sorry. Everybody is saying. OK, so they've got to pick a speaker on when January 3rd. Well, they have to start the process on January 3rd. I don't think anyone thinks there's going to be a, P- a speaker chosen on January 3rd. I think that'll be the first vote, and McCarthy won't get it. And Gates and his crew are determined to wear him down until he he withdraws. And we'll see. But, well, you know, someone's going to be worn down. We don't know if it'll be him or them. But, uh, but it's not going to be Jim Jordan who ends up being speaker. Well, yes. It, it probably, I don't know, probably, but I've been guessing Jim Jordan uh, for the last few months. I've been saying it'll probably be Jim Jordan. And uh, and now, you know, the, 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 what the Republican right wing has said is that they've already picked a candidate, but they're not going to tell who the candidate is until after the first vote. So they say they have their candidate. And then Matt Gates gave it away over the weekend saying that it's Jim Jordan. Even though he wasn't supposed to, they, they had decided that they would not tell and there's no and way did. it's going to no way it's going to be Trump. No way. No. What, what would I happen? Mean, it, what would hey, happen? We're talking, we're talking about MAGA Republicans. How do you how do you say no way? <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I it would be hard to imagine it would be Trump. Hard to imagine. How many Republicans would have? Trump, to- you have to work. 
I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not just being a figurehead. You have to, it's actual work. And I can't see Trump taking a job with his work. He's, he's a lazy old man. But Hastert was Tom DeLay's. Tom DeLay did all the work. Wasn't Hastert just the... the oh, Hastert, no, Hastert worked also. Hastert was in a different situation. He was a puppet for Tom DeLay, but uh, it wasn't like he didn't do work. He did. Uh, it's just that uh, when he did work that uh, Hastert didn't agree with, uh, that uh, DeLay didn't agree with, he would have to, you know, undo it. Okay. And that happens sometimes. Okay. It is, as you've pointed out, the Speaker of the House does not have to be an elected congressperson. It is conceivable right. that somebody is going to nominate Donald Trump if McCarthy doesn't get it on the first ballot. What percentage of Republican Congress people have the courage not to vote for Donald Trump for Speaker? Well, Trump can say that he doesn't want it, which would be true. I don't think I mean, if Trump is running for it, he would he would get it. But I don't think he wants the job. He's running for president. I mean, it wouldn't make sense for him to take the job. The um, you don't think thing is this. as a showman, his sense of you know the rumble in the, the jungle, him as speaker. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's improbable. Uh, you know, and look, Gates was the one who who went down to Mar-a-Lago and tried to Trump talk Trump into it, and Trump said no. Gates said he was going to nominate Trump. He's the one that said he would do it. And then now he's talking about uh, Jim Jordan, which makes me pretty sure that Trump has told him no. Or they want so much chaos that they have no choice but to bring in Trump at the last minute. This would be amazing. It would be Trump would finally be able to go to the Capitol without having to strangle his Secret Service driver. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, 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 something, it's something to enjoy thinking about. I just don't see it as, as realistic. Howie Klein. Uh, I love what you wrote about the Pope. I agree with you 100 percent. Howie Klein. Read him over a down with tyranny. Howie Klein is the founder, treasurer of the Blue America Pack, and you should read him over a down with tyranny. Any money? Should, well, where should people be donating? Yes. Yes. We, we started a new campaign at Down With Tyranny. We're trying to um, to recruit uh, Lucas Quinn. Did you have Lucas on your show? No. We need to get Lucas on your show, but uh, we're trying to talk him into running against Josh Hawley, and uh, I think we're going to succeed. Okay, great. Thank you, Howie Klein. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, happy. I'll talk to you after the new year. My God, I'll talk to you New Year's Day. Could that be possible? Yes, I'll talk to you on New Year's Day, I hope. We don't get off on New Year's Day. Nobody gets off here. We go 52 weeks a year here at the David Feldman Show. Fabulous. Okay. Thank you, Howie Klein. Thank you. Bye, David. Bye. Read Howie Klein over at Down With Tyranny. And I'm David Feldman. If you enjoyed this segment of the show, please subscribe to the channel and hit the like button. Remember to stay strong and protect the weak.